Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And welcome, welcome to, to Historically Badass Broad. <laughs> oh, I wanted to say it together. Try it again. Do you know? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, historically Badass, badass Broad. There oh, might be a delay. Is there a delay or are we just bad at this? I was going to say, let's blame the delay and not... It's a delay, everybody. A lack of synchronicity between the two of us. Mm, no, Never. Never. Simply, it's the technology. Always has been and always will be. Yes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, what you're listening to, if you gathered, is Historically Badass Broads, the podcast with even badasser broads than usual. Yeah. Is that our new tagline? Did you just come up with something brilliant? Wow. Put it on the mug. Put it on the mug. Well, the thing that's currently on our mug is a bit of an inside joke. So I think we'd have, and by our mug, I mean the mug you made me for Christmas two years ago. (laughs) That that is our our mug. It's true. It is our collective mug. Should you come visit me, (laughs) which you should, you would use that mug. Via plane on the other side of the country. Yes. In the U.S., by the way, that's where we are. The United States of America. I feel like they can guess that. I don't know. I feel like it's a pretty standard. People on I'm, TikTok think I'm English, so. Well, you're classy. People think I'm from New York, which you are, but I'll take it. I'm like, no, I'm I, actually yeah. from the depths of Southern California. And they say, I never would have guessed that. And I take that as, I don't know how to express that. I take that as the best compliment I could ever receive. Yeah, you do. You do have a more New York vibe, I would say. Oh my God, I could cry from that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. whole life to Whoa. be to have that uh, said about me so that's good. that's good well as they say hard work pays off and that's why <laughs> this week <laughs> this week oh wait so introduce yourself i'm desperately trying to transition oh i'm chloe i'm chloe, oh chloe. <laughs> and i'm Laura. yeah and we have a podcast together that you are currently listening to that's it no um we talk about women in history we talk about people who should be more well-known than they are and we tell you at all (laughs) exactly and the concept of the podcast is that mora is the historian and she brings me a lady and i am an actor (laughs) and i talk in response (laughs) Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> if your if your title if your title in this podcast is historian, I'm not sure what mine is. Besides, like commenter, not straight man, not straight man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. I'm into Thanks. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Add it to the, the one mug. who the one who listens and then goes the one and edits instead of <laughs> he who must not be named. She is 
She who listens. The one who listens. Exactly. Mm. Maura takes care of pre-production and I take care of post-production. And it's honestly a perfect marriage because I don't think either of us would be particularly good at what the other one does. Not that we couldn't, should we devoted ourselves to it, but I know knowing both of us, if it was an assignment for a class, we'd, yeah, we would do it at the same time. We're both a bit of an overachiever have it, you know, that as a situation, (laughs) but if there was a choice involved, neither of us would go for it. Exactly. And now that we've spent, 40 times longer on that intro than we needed. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump woman? in. I'm yeah, super excited. Do you Tell know me. or have you mm. ever seen these okay. plates with this lady's face on it by an artist called Fornicetti? Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm so sorry. That was truly not enough information for me. Plates with okay. a woman on it. That's all I'm okay, getting. Okay, they're these cool. Have they're usually black and white. Okay, hold on. Up. Okay, no, stop. Okay, fine. Fine, fine, fine. For fine. the listener's reference, I'm not Ugh. seeing anything. We don't see each other when we do this podcast. It is a purely Much bit of audio. <laughs> okay, but when you say, <laughs> do you recognize Okay, this? hold on. Okay, I'm I gonna, want the let me elaborate. To know that I did not have a picture in front of me when you said that. Okay. Okay. Yes, I understand. Okay. I'm <laughs> going to elaborate. elaborate. I'm going to elaborate. Okay. Have you seen, they're usually black and white. They're very, they're like a hundred and something dollars per plate. They're beautiful and they're really cool. So they usually have like a woman's face or like half of her face, but they're a bit like very artsy. So like maybe her lips are replaced with like a key or maybe half of her face is like very geometric and the other one's not. I'm going to assume no, but I reserve the right to see the image and be like, oh, yeah. Would you like me to find you one now? And then for fun, <laughs> no. send it to you because I guess what I'm currently doing. <laughs> okay, go for Guess it. what I'm doing? I do like the mystery. I'm going to send you one of my favorite ones. Oh, there's so I many. wish that podcasts could like have pictures pop up on the person's phone screen. I think that's why they're listening. They have, ostensibly, that's why we have an Instagram. Sure. Hey, go follow us at historically.sbrods yeah. on Instagram. Okay, I'm going to I try to you. post every Wednesday. Piero Fornacetti. That's his name. I try. Chloe. Worthington. Yeah. I'm texting uh, you. That's me. And we, my we. stage name is Chloe Lexia Chloe Worthington. Worthington. Mm-hmm. Do you know I got a casting call today for a... Uh, Oh man, I should have looked into this more before I decided to speak about it publicly, but I Mm. believe it's a learning app for middle and high school students. Ooh, look at you. I I really don't know, but it was called Lexia. Stop it. That's why they contacted you. Or you're extremely talented and that's why they contacted you. Okay. I sent you three of like my, the funny examples I can see at the moment and I'm about to send you more. Hold up. These are so I recognize the first image and not the other two. I just sent you a whole bunch of them. Oh, okay. No, I haven't seen all of these. I think I've but seen have the you original seen, image. You've, okay. So you've seen some of this, right? That, I'm it's so that sorry style. to everyone who's listening. <laughs> it's going to be on our Instagram. So you're going to go and you're going to go look at it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Let's, I'll post this first. I'll post this first so that you know immediately what we're talking about. Maybe so you, you post like, this as like a pre, like, who's this lady? Mystery. And then... It's an idea. <laughs> Is this why I'm not in charge of our? our... <laughs> <laughs> Stick to what you know, Maura. Stick to what you know. You said nothing. Okay. So I always loved those. I thought they were very creative, very interesting. And I was at my voice teacher's house. Oh, very cool. 
I know, right? They're really cool. I used to work Mm with, oh gosh, one of a great boss. His name was Richie. We worked for the same company together for Mm -hmm. almost, oh God, it was only like six months. It felt like a year, but not because of him. Anyway, and he was obsessed with these. And so he was like putting together his Christmas list for his parents. And he basically only listed Fornicetti things because he, they're architectural to him. They're like absolutely pieces of art that you would hang up and put up. And so I've been exposed to these. I've seen them. I always loved them, but I didn't understand like anything to do with them. And I was at my voice teacher's house for the first time. And cause we used to work at her, um, she used to be my next door neighbor. And so, um, mm-hmm. she was like living with her mom, by the way, she has two kids and is married, but anyway, COVID. And then she ended up moving, um, with her husband and family to a different, beautiful little home. And in there, I finally saw she had all these Fornicetti things. And I was like, Oh my God, I love Fornicetti. I love those. And she's like, Oh, do you know anything about the woman who's in them? And I was like, what? Like, I just assumed this was just a, like, like abstract, you know, image of a vaguely 19th century, 18, mm, not you know, a real late, person, early yeah. 20th century, like, like how, you know, medieval coins, right? They're just like, mm-hmm. queen, not that queen or whatever. Mm. Right. I just kind of assumed. And she went, no, her name's Lena Cavalieri. She was an, a um, soprano and her life is insane. You should do her for your podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I was like, and here we are. What? And then, um, Flash forward about eight months, and uh, <laughs> I'm finally going to do it. So her name is Lena Cavalieri. That's my terrible yeah. Italian accent. Cavalieri. Um, she is wild. So she was born Natalina um, on Christmas Day, and I guess that has something like Natalina is like Bon Natale. It's like Christmassy, I guess. Like. Her name is that. I don't know how to say that. Her, her name. Her is name Christmas-y? is Natale is like Italian for like the birth, and because I think mm. she was like like born like the birth meaning capital like, like birth natal. of Christ. Yeah, mm-hmm. and because she was born on Christmas Day, which is according to lay Catholic uh, tradition, is the birth of Christ. We all know that's a falsity, but whatever. I will not get started on my religious debates. Um, <laughs> Please don't. I know it'll never end. <laughs> you haven't even experienced okay. the worst of it. And that so means that Christmas? I'm a bear. So she was born on Christmas day, 1874. Mm-hmm. Let's place ourselves there. She's in Viterbo. It's right mm. outside of Roma in mm. what is then the kingdom of Italy. So this is the first kind of unification of Italy to some degree. Um, it, it really kind of, how do I put this? It was unified in like 1861 and it it effectively, I mean, God, this poor kingdom, it it didn't do a great, like it didn't last very long. It was like fascist a couple years later. I mean, it's, you know, anyway, so Italy's been through a thing. It used to be a bunch of little principalities, little city states. And yet she, um, she happened to be born like 10 years after it became a kingdom. So she's born in Viterbo. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is I actually used to sing one of the first um, Italian songs I think I ever sang for a voice teacher was like this woman. Oh, no, it's a German song. But she talks about like all of her different lovers like throughout Italy <laughs> and like Europe. And for some reason, Viterbo, she mentions. And so anytime I see that, I laugh. Anyway, mm. um, Selena 
is what she preferred to be known as. Um, she was born just north of Rome, but pretty much was raised in Rome. There are a lot of, like many of the women we talk about, Chloe, there's a lot of differing accounts about her life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, at least we know the exact date of her birth, you know? Like, that's exciting. That's true. It's not a given. It is not. Her father's name is Florindo. Mm -hmm. Florindo. Cavalieri. I can't speak Italian. Um, and according to one account, they were descended from like a noble family, but they had no money anymore. And so he worked many different jobs. Her mother was a washerwoman. According to some other accounts, both of her parents died when she was really young and became a ward of the state and lived in a Roman Catholic orphanage. And she ran oh. away with a touring theatrical group. There's no evidence that that's the case, but I like it. I will say that those are very different. Yeah, so either, <laughs> either I think she, she I feel like usually differing accounts of someone's upbringing are a little bit sim more similar than that. <laughs> I have to agree. No, so it's either that she was orphaned <laughs> okay. at 15, spent time as a in the convent and then ran away with a traveling theater troupe. Oh. Mm -hmm. or, or she was the eldest of five kids and raised her siblings with her parents who were working very hard and started working mm. herself when she was quite young to help supplement the family income. Mm -hmm. I think the latter is much more likely, but okay. I like the first story. <laughs> okay. So prefer to, you know, and understanding as we will get to know her over the next hour ish, not really, Lena would mm -hmm. like that first story, and she probably was, like, the one who spread it around. So um, she ended up being trained – again, if she started working, she was training as a seamstress, um, but mm -hmm. probably didn't love it or wasn't very good or much like myself in editing videos and stuff. She just didn't apply herself. Um, so she uh, became she, – she started selling flowers in Rome. And that was something that younger people could do, especially as we will begin to learn beautiful younger people. Yeah, and Lena yeah. is nothing if not known for her unbelievable beauty. I mean, she is, it is every other word about her is just the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. Like, I mean, it's just, it's wild. So she's a very beautiful child. <laughs> Okay. 19th century. She's like 15. You are a child at 15. Um, mm -hmm. But so she would, she would sell flowers in Rome and she would sing in front of rich houses because that would, you know, it would endear her to those people and they'd buy flowers from her. And so apparently, apparently a, a local music teacher heard her singing and offered her free music lessons. Nice. Which is cool. <laughs> yeah. I don't know the story. I I am so used to people taking advantage of women like that, that I'm like, please just say he was just teaching her music. Mm. Um, no, but I didn't even think about that. Uh, it's all I think about. Um, I decided and she was, nice. <laughs> yeah, she was so beautiful, yada, yada, yada. Okay. But whatever it did is it, she started finding work in what were called the Café Chante which were like open air cafes in Rome, but they would be musical. So like Ellen's mm. Stardust Diner, oh. but not <laughs> oh at all. Okay. <laughs> the concept of singing waiters. Yeah. 
but but was was it waiters that were singing or were they like the no i think it was it, i think it was like a musical like kind of like a lounge club no no not a lounge it was an open air cafe i think think like, no but i'm saying if you're talking about ellen stardust that's not exactly what it was either i'm saying like no i know like a dinner and a show but yeah like open air cafe with a show exactly i think okay. having not experienced one of those myself <laughs> okay no, I actually hate, <laughs> I find it very uncomfortable to be near live musicians if I am myself not performing or watching them on stage. Because you feel like you need to look at them? Yeah, and I get really uncomfortable and I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it. And I, I like, ugh, the idea of dinner theater makes me want to like sh- crawl up inside myself. Anyway. Different strokes for different folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So apparently she was very beautiful and she had a very pretty voice and um, she got the attention of a young army lieutenant who was like, I will give you a better life away from your past tribulations. No one has told me what these past tribulations are. Where where have there been past tribulations? Apparently she had them. No one told me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he was there to save her. He was there to save her because, you know, mm-hmm. that's what all women want. And um, need, actually. Mm, Mm. But um, his family's like, uh, I refuse, and then transferred him to another city. So regardless, she's kind of making a way for herself. She, she, I. What I like about Lena, and it's something we'll see throughout her life. She just, she does what she wants, and I love that. And she just keeps doing it. And to me, it's a bit of a testament that if you do what you love and or want really badly to do, you will find some kind of version of success and i like that for her and it Mm -hmm. changes for her it's not just one thing but um man she goes with it so she's singing um uh, she's on the playbill at the concerto della varietta in rome Ooh, Mm -hmm. it's a variety show and she starts like singing uh, at more and more like important establishments she starts getting to be able to charge people more and instead of making um her own dresses or having her sisters and mom help her make her dresses. She's starting to be able to buy her costumes. Like this is, you know, thing and she can pay for more singing and dancing lessons. And she becomes Mm. really famous locally in Rome. This is kind of what she does. She's beautiful. She's talented. She has like a very alluring kind of, uh, you know, fun personality. She's very quote vivacious, yada, yada, yada. Use any other adjective you feel like using, that is mm-hmm. always used for women like this, whatever. Um, so she ends up being able to move around because this is the time when opera singers, much like today, actually, opera singers travel around a lot. They they sing at different establishments, and that's always been the case. It's been a fairly itinerant lifestyle for most of these people. So she goes to Vienna, and she sings in front of at this very famous theater and she becomes quote, the prettiest girl in Vienna. And then finally around 1895, she arrives on Paris. Hooray. And she starts singing and dancing at the Folie Berger. I never say it right. That's so cool. Please say it for me, Chloe. Folie Berger. Oh, God bless you. So um, she's, she's dancing and singing there and she's buying her outfits from, famous people on the the Rue de la Paix and she's just killing it. She's like photographers are like lining up to take pictures of her and they're like selling all over Europe. And she's like legitimately having the best time. 
because who hmm. wouldn't? And so she's singing, you know, all over again, music halls, and she's starting to um, kind of, again, she's commanding larger and larger, larger audiences, but she's not singing opera. And I, I, I do need to stress that because although she's taking lessons, think of it more like, like a music hall performance versus like opera <laughs> just in the well, time period was, yeah but what mm-hmm. was the what was the music style then it it, it was like, it wasn't it was, like it's a mix yet no 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 this is pre-jazz this is late yeah. 19th century what, so what, like, we're talking <laughs> like a kind of tempo folksy songs very interesting mm. songs taken from um more kind of traditional theater but I mean, France in particular has a, a really extraordinary tradition of um, secular music, which most countries until the modern era didn't. Um, you know, everything was very religious oriented. Um, mm, but mm-hmm. very early in France, they were like, you know what? We are really good at doing writing poems. Do you know what we're also bomb at doing? Mm-hmm. Writing music. You know what we should do? Put the two together and sing songs about love. And so that's where you get like, of course, like the great tradition of the troubadour and like courtly love. And that happens early in Paris, in France, actually. It's uh, Eleanor of Aquitaine's grandfather, Duke William the Ninth of Aquitaine, known as William the Troubadour. Anyway. Really? Oh, yes. And she was that's born in 1122. Entry. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's much older. Actually, well, not much. Everyone died pretty young in her family but i digress but still but still at least 100 years yes like, and if whole, anyone the whole oh yeah and if anyone remembers correctly he was the one who ran away with dangereuse and um they conspired to have their two kids marry and that's how i was born mm. a scandal mm. okay so um she's living her life She's killing it. And then two years later, she goes to England and she starts singing Italian songs at the Empire Theater. And then she eventually gets to go to St. Petersburg in Russia, which um, was still a empire pre-Soviet takeover. There is still a czar. Um, And so she's there. And I mean, gosh, she she and Russia have an incredible relationship and she continues to do so throughout the rest of her life. They are obsessed with her there. Um, And so what's actually very interesting is she comes back from Russia. She goes back to Paris. Paris seems to be her home base now. And she falls in love with a Russian prince, Prince Alexander in Paris, Paris because if Mm. I can digress for a hot second, kind of like we discussed with Catherine the Great, the Russians have an obsession with the French because who doesn't? Mm, and mm. The, na- the actual language of the Russian court is French, not Russian. Right, yeah. Well, wasn't so, it French everywhere? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, pretty much, but also like Russia was like particularly obsessed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, particularly. Um, which again, justified. So I don't know if you guys can tell I'm a huge Francophile. Anyway, I know I was um, going to say you're biased, but yeah. can you tell? <laughs> literally from French. a young age? I know you and you are French. We have no shot of being true. unbiased about this. Okay. So she falls in yeah, love with Prince, Prince Alexander Baratinsky, Baratinsky, and he hmm. is one of the richest men in Russia, which is insane at the time. Because like you think about now with the horrible man up top, like 
and they're all billionaires. It's always been like that in Russia, but they weren't dictators. They just had emperors, which is the same mm-hmm. thing, but he they killed fewer people, generally right. speaking. This one right. did at least. Um, cause at this point they were fairly like, we're just gonna spend a lot of money. And everyone's like, I guess. Okay. So, so he's just a wealthy dude. He's, I mean, to say he's wealthy would be a vast understatement. I don't know if I was able to get like a, <sighs> no one told me how much he was worth. I love finding out how much people are worth. I don't know why it's like, ugh, it's so entertaining. And then doing the conversion to modern <laughs> um yeah obsessed obsessed yeah so he is we could just call him a billionaire probably okay in modern terms right would you say oh, yeah. he would probably I, yeah. yes okay yes um yeah so they met and they fell like obs- obsessedly in love with each other i don't know how to mm-hmm. say that in a better way but it was like it was lustful obsession yes deep infatuation and cute he, but to the point where he's like, I'm going to marry you. And she was like, yes, you are. And so he goes to the emperor, Nicholas II, Tsar Nicholas, and he goes, let me marry her. And then his parents are like, uh, absolutely not. His father <laughs> is Pr- Prince Vladimir Anatolievich Baryatinsky. And his mother, I'm just going to say her name because it's amazing. I'm not going to say it right. Countess... Nadeja Alexandrovna Stenbach Furmore. Mm-hmm. I so love it. I love it. I love Russian names. As someone who is Russian, I think I can say that. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm not yeah. approving of current actions of that country. I'm also Ukrainian. Disclaimer. I'm also Ukrainian. Okay. Anyway, and also I'm Jewish. Like no one liked us there. I digress. Um. <laughs> They tried to kick Big us out disclaimer. and it worked. It worked. We left. Well, my family did. Okay. So they met, they fell in love. He's like, here's all of my money. And she's like, oh my God, I love it. And you. And then the emperor's like, I don't know. And then his parents are like, absolutely not. And but they're um, in love. But they're in love and no one cared. And so what actually had happened yeah. is a year before his youngest brother, Vladimir, had secretly married an actress. And they were like, no. how dare you? Oh, and they so, type the family. Oh, they do. And so then the emperor is like, oh, I understand. You will not, you're not allowed to marry her. Because it would have like completely discredited their family at this point and anything else to do with his money and everything to do with that. And so he said, okay, fine, I won't get married to her. Um, And so, you know, what's kind of interesting about this, though, is is there there's still a lot of love and passion. But while they were together, he's like, "You, you are so talented. You shouldn't be on a music hall stage. You should become an opera singer like you deserve that work. And she's like, oh, my God, you're right. So because she it's doesn't seen as a bigger, more legitimate thing. Yes. And more respect, respectable to a degree. Um, yeah. It's kind so, of like yeah. the, the scummy prostitute ones that are actors and performers and the other. Yeah. Way. Like Nell Gwynn versus like Sarah Bernhardt. You know what I'm trying to say? Right. 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 Yeah. Cool. Sad. So although Nell Gwen's awesome, we're so going to cover her one day. I digress again. Mm-hmm. Just so many women, guys. There are so many women that we don't know enough about. And that's why I like our podcast because there are legitimately billions of people we could talk about. Oh, yeah. Billions. We'll be doing this for the rest of our lives, probably. We're going to be old. 
and talking about these women. Um, but by then I seventy three. <laughs> All the way back in 2022. Okay, so... Oh, um, ew, ew. Yeah, we're going to be able to cover people who are currently alive now, and they won't vow, like, they won't violate my 50-year rule. I'd like to strike this conversation from the record. <laughs> it is so stricken. Your okay. honor. <laughs> Where's my gavel? I can pull up my gavel. I, Your honor. I have a gavel. Wipe it from my memory. <laughs> it is so stricken from the record. It shall not be used as evidence in a court of law. Okay. Okay, good. So he so she starts taking voice lessons with a woman whose name is Marchese, but it looks like Marchese, and I just wanted to say it that way. Um mm-hmm. so she was in Paris and then later with a Madame Mariani Massi in Milan. And so she like three years later, um, she gets the chance to make, you know, her grand debut and she gets to do so at the Theater Royale in Lisbon. And she was going to sing Neda and Pagliacci, but the people of Portugal were not very happy with her and they kind of like didn't let her finish her run. Um, hmm. So apparently there was a riot the second night and they chased the oh, performers to that, the to that degree. Well, you have to remember, like, this is before, like, Stravinsky's, like, Rite of Spring, when, like, there were legitimate riots in Paris because of music. This is, this is entertainment. This is, if you think about every high form of it, I say high form in very intense quotation marks, um, Mm. of entertainment, there are fewer forms, right? There's no TV, there's no internet there's no nothing and i don't believe most things are able to be recorded at this point there are forms of things being recorded the telephone mm. kind of doesn't really exist but in early stages like there are mm-hmm. or, or like telegraph telegraphs and yada 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 so like things are developing and within her lifetime they will but we're still at that like we're in the early years you know what i mean so right this right is, right there aren't alternative forms of entertainment you go and you see, and that is culture and it's either music halls, which are kind of seedy, but very fun, or it's respectable places um, like mm-hmm. the opera and, um, right. And then also Shakespeare, like this is what we have. And, and like mm-hmm. George Bernard Shaw and, you know, like there, there are very mm-hmm. certain respectable forms of art and you could go, I mean, this is when paintings would be, you know, covered with a cloth for indecency and statues were having like fig leaves put over genitals and things like that. This is a very kind of interesting time period, but it's also the only form of kind of consumption of art. Like it's, it's, I mean, there Mm -hmm. are others obviously, but to a degree where, you know, this was music, this was culture. And so, yeah, they ran them off the stage because they were like, no, we don't want her which is sad. They didn't and even apparently, need Twitter. No. No. God, no. You don't need Twitter. Why do you need Twitter? Rioting riding on their own. Walk under yeah. someone's balcony and scream obscenities at them. Yeah. Face to it's face. It's much more Bold. effective than Twitter. Bold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, but also Twitter is full of cowards who can't do that in person. It took more guts to be cruel to people mm-hmm. in person than it does now because no one's going to people <laughs> Love to person. see it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the internet breeds cowards. Here we are. Um, so, <laughs> Lena. 
Lena kind of unfortunately is like, oh no, that was not the debut I wanted. And Bartinsky's like, I'm going to leave on my private yacht. And so he mm-hmm. leaves and you, she's like, you did say private yacht, right? I did say private yacht. And that wasn't a joke. He had one. I bet he had more than one. <sighs> okay, cool. And that was the year 1900. So it's, it's the turn of the century. Y'all. Oh, happy Aww. new year. Happy New Year. Oh my god, absolutely not. I hate that song. <laughs> no, it's stuck in my head. It's you the turn saw. of the It's the turn of the century. What was I supposed to do? No, do you know what do? I do you know what I just hear? I hear um in Moulin Rouge, it's the end of the century. I just hear Toulouse Lautrec saying that. Um for someone know, who's as obsessed with Moulin Rouge as I am absolutely no idea what that line is and i okay could not right? tell you what that is okay so we're gonna go to the bit after he it's before elephant love song they're all partying okay. back at their flat and they've just pitched the idea for the fake musical and diamonds are a girl's best friend just like destroyed it was epic Right? right and and Satine collapsed and Christian's like I'm in love oh, and that's when it is that's when it yeah. is yeah and then Toulouse is like up on the roof like swinging his fake legs because he's not actually that I short. see and it I see goes, it it's the end of the century I always think of that I don't know why but I felt like sharing that that's everyone go watch one of the best movies ever made if not the best <laughs> and and disclaimer though that so many people hate it why what who why you don't know about this no why do people hate it what's wrong with them i'm do you hear the th- register of my voice got so much higher I'm yeah, so mad. yeah 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 yeah. why well because I'm, I'm very vocal about my love of that movie it really like changed my life as a my young life. singer and actor you know Have like to agree really and Same truly girl. But that means that I have spoken about it on many occasions and with different crowds of people. And very frequently people hate that movie. I think they think it's, it's campy or they don't relate to it. It makes it not as good. What? Well, well, a lot of people also, I think don't like, you know, people singing, (laughs) you know, like musicals in general. I don't know. There are people that I know who don't like Boz Lerman's style either. You know, the like bright colors and the flashy and the whatever. They don't like taste? It's hard for me. It's hard for me to defend the opinions of of something that I I don't agree with. Yeah, I love it. But, you know, I I have heard that in response. I will say insulting things to those people. So I'm getting really (laughs) riled up here. That movie's a freaking piece of art. People like like. Do yeah, like but that's a, like. that is a, a objective fact that movie's extraordinary. I, to Objectively. Us, you know what I mean? No, you For start sure. that movie. This is my impassioned defense, and you will agree with me. Mm. You start that movie, right. and you're mm-hmm. led on this journey, right? It begins like there was a boy, right? And you're like, oh my God, what am I going to learn? And he's like, the woman I love is what dead. Depressing. And you're like, what? You're going to tell what me now? What a depressing now? opening. Also, it's you so McGregor- depressing breaking hearts left and right for years you know like years inspiring Mm. love in the hearts of millions Mm. opens as a broken man 
a broken man lost the love of his and life. what a conceit of storytelling to tell us immediately you that go, the woman oh you gosh, love is dead. Ewan, what's wrong? You know? God. And he's like, tell us about the it. Woman I love. And then his like beautiful pause, pause, teary pause. eyes, the like and hair the shaking. Hair. Oh, thank God we both said the hair. And the papers are well, rustling. He, I, I remember so vividly he was like the shaking hair. with emotion. And I was yeah. like, that's acting, man. And that I want to do it. <laughs> okay so then right and then he takes us back and all of a sudden flashes of color wow am i on something i don't know and then oh, like trippy trippy opening don't watch so the trippy. movie high i know somebody who did and it really ruined the whole thing i was gonna say i feel like they could never be the same because having uh, i'm happy to admit i'm very much a square having never been high the closest mm-hmm. i can approximate to being high is watching part of that movie yeah, it's just, you need to watch, in my opinion, watch it sober so that you can see how they portray it. being high. Okay, because <laughs> you know? it, it, I was going to say, that's my, that's my standard of like, well, they're not high. They're, they're, they've, they've drunk an absent, to be fair. Which isn't hallucinogenic. Sad. Anyway. Except so, that there's a hallucinated fairy played by I'm Kylie Minogue. Fairy. Is this a is this a Moulin Rouge review podcast? <laughs> it should be. Hold on, but I'm gonna okay. Storytelling, epic, right? And then you move through it, and every time you're like, "Oh my god, they're in love. This is beautiful. This yeah. is incredible. They're yeah. saving each mm-hmm. other. It's like equitable. It's awesome. It's Good beautiful. things are happening." She caught Nicole Kidman. Like, oh, stunning. She's gonna die. Like you forget. He's such a good storyteller. They're such well, brilliant actors. That let's you not forget. say. Let's not forget. She doesn't just cough. She coughs into a tissue. Blood. And there's blood, blood on the it's, it's tuberculosis. It's consumption, y'all. All of so, a sudden, you remember that you're actually in an die. older time in Paris where consumption was very and much a thing. Gray and not happy. Yeah. So then, same shots. They show the then, same shots. I know. Epic. It's epic, though. But, and but then, gray instead of happy. But it, it fools you into thinking mm. there is joy and happiness at the end of this story. There has never oh. been a more triumphant end of something than the come what may that they all sing together i'm sorry mm. i'm sorry like everybody's crying i'm we you know that bit where she stands up on the stage and she goes never knew I yeah feel like she's not anything. standing she's literally no, she's lying like, on the floor lying on the floor and then looking she's like, up at him crying. crying like i'm gonna yeah. die in two seconds and he's like i don't even know that you're sick you don't love me anyway so then turns around and you hear him scream come what may at her i'm fully shaking like hysterically crying at this point and again just to you know for people who haven't seen it not actually screaming singing beautifully yeah but like with the most emotion i've ever heard in my life like cry of song a cry of song and then they Mm grow they meet up together and you're like oh my god love is real right mm-hmm. right yeah and then yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the most triumphant ending of all time and then right at the pinnacle of that mute it idiot. now if you don't want a spoiler mute it now no there's no spoiler because they told us she was going to die in the first two minutes of the movie oh yeah so then yeah don't mute she, it. all of a sudden the immediate denouement she collapses and dies and when she actually <sighs> dies and she goes tell my <sighs> story christian right when she actually the curtain dies, has gone down all the, the actors are standing everyone's backstage jaring chocolat is just like, there and it's like what's going on and then out of no- and then you know chocolat is one of the performers <laughs> yes. god he's a legend anyway. i'm like trying to give context 
I, know, I, don't, I forgot we were even talking on a podcast. I'm just this, I'm this obsessed with this movie. And then Ewan McGregor lets out an actual cry of grief that I can't listen to without like losing Haunts it. me. It is too, Haunts it's me. the most haunting sound of all time. And you realize he's been writing, not you realize, he tells you that he's been writing their story the whole time. Mm-hmm. Because she and then, asked him but, to. I know. Tell a story, Christian. And then at the very end, when you think about where you were two and a half hours mm-hmm. ago, you you have gone on the most extraordinary. You're a journey. different person. You are. A You're different a different person. person. And that's that. If 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 movies, if art can't do that, what should they do? There. Final point. Do you know as a you know how children like obsessively repeat things? Yeah. You know, like yes. the, they see something and they want to watch it like a thousand more times. I mean, I do that still, but yeah. <laughs> Not a hundred percent sure why my parents let me watch Moulin Rouge at that age. But this Wait, I watched I, I don't know, like six onwards. Did you get some of the Oh yeah. You got oh, yeah. it? Oh yeah. This is I forgot your French. It doesn't count. No, it's not that. It's acting and singing. I mean, I've my whole life been able to focus in and care about what's happening in a movie. You know what I mean? What I meant is, did you get the whole bit that she was a sex worker? And yes, but that's not hard to understand. I'm saying, like, I was six year old. I don't know if I would have gotten it. Well, I'm sure that I'm, I'm a, I like as you, I was as a fairly you grow older, the context individual. has different emotional and you know <sighs> sure, sure, intellectual sure. weight. But sure, but like I literally watched again, it ladies and of gentlemen, times. she's French, so I get that she would understand that. <laughs> watched it hundreds of times, amazing. And to this day, that cry at the end. Oh, I can't. Has mm. never, ever, ever lost its no. intense emotion. Like I. I will agree with you 100%. Do you know what I mean? Like I can watch it a hundred more times and it will always make me cry because it is that sound that is literally like the most primal grief sound. Yeah. When you can't speak, when you can't do anything, it's just. And and, you know, of course the orchestration and the visuals Uh, that are accompanying it are are adding to it tenfold, but like. It's one of the most visually beautiful movies you can watch. I can't think of a similar no. I, I literally can't think of an a, another like acting cry that has resonated that deeply uh one other and it's ladies mm. and gentlemen nicole kidman in rabbit hole in the oh, car i've never seen that <gasps> I've never seen i that. did oh my god i played her character in college i i did that play in college i loved it anyway is it's it, an amazing play is it available to watch yeah watch she it? did the movie with um i don't remember his name doesn't matter. Nicole Kidman's in it, and she's brilliant. We love Nicole. This is a Nicole Kidman <laughs> stand podcast. <laughs> and Ewan McGregor. Didn't and he just Ewan get McGregor. married again? I think so. To the girl who was in Scott Pilgrim, which is one of my other favorite movies. Mm. What a range, you know? I forget her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Whew. There you go. I hope they're right? happy. Mm-hmm. I hope they're happy. But I think he cheated on his wife with her. Anyway, he was married to a French lady who was a costume designer, I think. Hmm. Wow, we got off topic. We did. And if you're still listening, thank you. But also, again, (laughs) this is what art does. This is what it does for us. And I think Lena would have been obsessed with that movie. I think she would have been a muse of Baz Luhrmann's, let's be frank. 
let's be. Well, I would also say that her her life isn't that far off from the plot. It's it's a little Labo Emmy. <laughs> I yeah. haven't said anyone has TB yet, but yeah. Not that she's necessarily like fully a courtesan, but like, you know. A similar a similar type of space that she was living in. Yeah. A similar love affair that wasn't was you know that couldn't be. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because a, you know the wealthy people decided so. That's also Moulin Rouge. God, I have to watch that movie again. Yeah. You realize that we've never watched it together, and I think that's a travesty. <laughs> I don't really watch movies with people. That that's not that unusual to me. I think it's unusual seeing as it's both. Do you watch movies. movies with people a lot? Yeah. Huh. Do you like lock yourself in a room and watch movies by yourself? What's going on? Do we need no, to but I'm never this? like <laughs> hanging out with a friend and then like, I never like put on a movie. What? I'm confused. <laughs> Is this unusual? What do you do with people then? Like hang out with them, like talk. I mean, I do that too, but I guess I also, I, I don't know, like me and my friend Anna from, from high school, we would like, we watched a lot of Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> in high That's school cute. and Moulin That's Rouge. Cute. We watched a lot of Moulin Rouge and a lot of Pirates of the Caribbean, but we were always talking because yeah, we watched I, them before. Like we watched the same things, I guess. I don't know. That's interesting. Maybe that's, I like love having things on in the background. I don't know. I I will say though, I also tend to not watch movies with people because movies tend to be accompanied by like popcorn or like like I don't go to movie oh, theaters. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's I, I can't. You know. I understand. So that. popcorn is perhaps I, probably I, one of the worst. I I imagine for you one of the worst. Misophonia oh yeah, inducing sounds. Absolutely, nachos. Really, anything. Honestly, anything. But a hot dog <laughs> is a fairly soft food. No. Do you want the? Do you want me to get into it? Like the sound of the squishing as you chew a soft thing is just as bad. What if you're far away from this person and they just you know I, that I have it, like. If you know someone's have, eating near you, does it affect you the same way? I'm genuinely asking. I'm not trying to be insulting. I'm yeah, curious. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, if I can see the movement of the eating, yes. That's so interesting. Hmm. Wow. I'm sorry. I, so have annoying. I talked about it on this podcast? I have misophonia, misophonia, however you want to pronounce it. If anybody else has it, what's up? <laughs> Follow my other endeavor, misophonia memes on Instagram. She's great, guys. She's a woman of, I mean, literally limitless talent. Hey, thanks so much. It's a, it's it's a disorder truth. where I have I have trouble with a lot of little sounds. They make me very anxious. So for you know eating sounds in a movie theater zero out of ten stars i understand (laughs) zero out of ten i understand this now thank you i can appreciate that oh i I, speaking of freaking moulin rouge i had the absolute gift of an opportunity i was brought to see the broadway play i will not (gasps) comment on the play itself however oh i will and i haven't even seen it anyway please continue the person sitting behind us this was pre-pandemic uh a lot of the times theaters don't have food. I guess sometimes they do, but they yeah, definitely they do now. have drinks. They have drinks. Mm. And the person and sippy behind cups for us. Adults. Yes. The person behind <laughs> us had gotten a sippy cup drink with ice in it. No. And they were like swishing around the no. clinking ice for literally the entire second half. Oh, no, no, no. 
And I was like, I know that I have a legitimate mental disorder that is abnormal and to a degree that is abnormal for sure. Happy to acknowledge that. I literally run an Instagram account for it. However, this has That's to annoying. be bothering other people. <laughs> like, it, like, yeah. like, like it can't it just be me. Be, it cannot. It simply cannot. If it's I just bet it would have bugged me too. I, like, and I don't have I don't know. I'll sell my left hand. I don't know. Like, it like it's not just I you. No, not. it would have bugged me too. I, 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 for me, it's a sign of disrespect. I get very weirdly principled mm. about live performance. So if I hear a lot like loud sounds or people talking, but as a God historian, forbid, a phone, yes. Yeah. Okay. Phones are bad. As a historian, though, knowing mm-hmm. that some of the origins of performance was literally like commenting on it live. Eating, oh my drinking, god actual performance i mean mm. early performance you went to be seen right so like if you go to the globe yeah. theater in london and you mm-hmm. see like mm-hmm. where did important people sit they sat next like ne- the globe theater is a circle right and the stage mm-hmm. is it's 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 technically in thrust right it's around three sides but it's kind of encircled so it's an interesting yeah thing. yeah yeah it's like and an then arc. Yeah. And then to right behind the stage, directly next to it on both sides is where the important people sat. And it's mm-hmm. because they went there to be seen. Same. Not to see the play. Also, by the <laughs> way, you used to go hear a play. You didn't go used to see a play. You used to hear a play. That was the language. It right. So you could like fully talk over it. Oh, not only that, you were supposed to. It was an engaging process. Like, I love when people mm-hmm. are like, oh, like, in- like, you know, what is it? What do they call interactive theater? It's like such a weird new thing. I'm like, this ain't new. That's old. <laughs> right. It's, the, right, oldest, right, right, it's right. the oldest thing. It's the oldest thing. No, okay, and, but however, music halls and things yeah. were full of that. This was mm. a very ruckus, like loud environment, but it fed off of that. Like if you've ever gone mm. to like a cool burlesque show or something like that, like if the audience were silent, it'd be weird. It's so much fun because mm-hmm. everyone's having a great time and you're engaging. So there's right. a give and take with the audience and the performers. That's a lot more apparent than just you're in a play and people laugh. Right. Which is the same. It gives something similar, but it's, it's a very different, mm. it, it's a less, if you think about the, the actual, you know, feeling of being in that room, it's a very different experience, like chuckling out at, at a joke that someone said on a, on the stage. That's, that's quite funny or crying mm-hmm. and and the the I as an actor I know I believe I feel that it gives that to the performers and the performers give it to the actors and it's such an absolutely beautiful give and take but if you're in there and everyone's able to like scream and shout and clap and you know hoot or mm-hmm. whatever and everyone's like a little drunk it's so different but you're getting a similar experience so absolutely you're right however right. because the uh it but there become, wasn't food. I mean, because they bring in their food, but yeah. Mm. Now, now it's not okay to do that. <laughs> well, it's, it's not okay to do it. But again, if you went to a burlesque show, like at a Broadway show, if you were real quiet, well, okay. everyone would be like, what's Here's going on with you? An interesting one. I recently saw skin of our teeth at Lincoln center Broadway. Ooh, and how was it? I, it? Please. If anybody is, is listening to this please go see it i have a friend who worked on it it was oh that's right like I saw the best that. show okay, i've exciting. seen mm-hmm. shout out brit um it literally it was it was uh, i can't even talk about it it gets me so excited it was absolutely <gasps> I incredible i i really recommend anyone go see it it's making me think of there's a scene though that is like a carnival extravaganza of sin mm. right and everyone on stage is like 
dancing and looking to the audience for that type of like, you know, reaction of, yeah. of vocal support or whatever. I mean, there's like, you know, the heavy bass thumping music and mm. people like really performing their all on stage. Yeah. And the audience at Lincoln Center will is, not give that is, back. Is giving zero percent back. Yeah. They, <laughs> I, I think of any of the theaters to give nothing, it would be <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want everyone to like jump up and like yell encouragements at these performers. <laughs> it was like driving. They're just like crazy. living their best lives on stage. <laughs> yeah, hilarious. absolutely. So it was uh it, it's it's like an interesting opposition of what we were just talking about, where it was like oh almost like they were calling for it and the audience was like too quiet. Nope, can't do it. That there is something to be said for like etiquette and such and it, it it's it's, it's been bizarre. so different throughout history and it depends on on you know for like we were just saying there are moments in mm. our time currently where depending on your environment you're expected to participate or not. And mm-hmm. it, when there's a mixing of that kind of a, a blending of it one doesn't know where they stand and how do you react mm-hmm. to that? You know, it's like going to a going to a cafe in a town you're visiting and you don't know what the, the like, you know, the, you don't know the system there. So you stand mm-hmm. in the wrong place and you get in everyone's way and it's like super stressful. It, to me, it's like, Ugh. I don't know. I hate that. Ugh. It's the worst. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> we both just got socially anxious, like imagining Ugh. it. My hands started to <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> And then I get really nervous because I can't drink coffee. I just drink tea. And they're like, that's all you want? And I'm like, well, you don't make anything gluten-free. Sorry, I can't eat anything. Oh, oh God. That's a whole other issue. But I can't that's eat like anything? An, <laughs> no, like, that's just like an added layer of, like, having to actually choose the, the, the well, like, no, thing then to order the to. Wor- let me tell you. And I'm sure if there are people who are listening to us who have a similar intolerance. And it's mm-hmm. legitimate, as mine is. Um, they go like, oh, oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah. The worst thing in the world to mm-hmm. say is that gluten free because you get or, this or dairy free. Yeah, my brother has you, that too. Oh my god, yeah, your poor brother. And I, mm-hmm. for a long time, am both of those. I'm often both of those things, and I'm like, mm-hmm. what's in there? Yeah, absolutely. And then they get like, ugh, you. And I was They're like, like, oh, you just want to diet. And I'm like, let me tell you something. No one loves carbs like I love carbs. If I had my way, I would be choking down croissant after bowl of pasta after slice of sourdough bread. Unfortunately, the last time we saw each other in person, we yeah. had gluten free pasta. Oh my God, we did. It was so beautiful. 10 out of 10. It was really good. Thanks, mm-hmm. Time Out Market in Brooklyn. Um, shout out Time Out Market. Shout out Time Out Market. Um, <laughs> But yeah, Sponsor and us. it's like you, you, yeah, guys, sponsors, but you get this like horrible look, right? From people, and they're mm. like, ugh, you. And I'm like, let me tell you something. I it's wish really both of us wish we weren't in this scenario, but I have no yeah. choice. <laughs> like, if I had my way, I could eat anything, but I can't, and life is sad. <sighs> so sad. Speaking of at timeout market, mm. I asked for a vegan ice cream. Oh no, because dairy doesn't always agree with me either. Yeah, do you remember this? I do. And the guy was the guy was like, that's not a good flavor. Like, you're really not going to get a better flavor. And I was like, <laughs> like the, it's- customer, the customer is always right. And I was like, I, this is your only vegan option. I'm not choosing this. I like, you I wish this. it was a weird one, too, wasn't it? I kind of remember it was like a weird flavor. Hey, no, it was like, yeah, maybe. I'm thinking it was like dark chocolate something, and I'm not like a big dark chocolate person. It was something no, but like that. I think it also had like something else in it that made it a little weird. I don't <sighs> know why. I'm remembering that. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I can't remember yeah. what it was. 
but it was something where I was I know, like, you got the judgment. You got the judgment. I got the judgment. I wanted to die. I think in that moment. No, I, like, no, no. I was like, please. I, oh my God, I'm sorry that I'm ordering sorry, this. My body doesn't digest. <laughs> but like to like, and I think he was trying to be like, like funny about it. Yeah, I think he was trying to be like a fun guy. And I was like, you insulted what I'm getting. And it's your fault that you only have this. You're not going to get something better. What do you mean? Don't say that to me. Do you have anything else that doesn't have dairy in it? Cool. That's what I'm getting. And then I I said, oh, I'm not really eating dairy. And he was like, oh, I'm I'm sorry. And I was like, yeah, well, you made this awkward for both of us now. You did it. You did that. Also in Brooklyn, like, come on. I know. Come on, How dude. Also, for the record, but also <laughs> the fact that they only had one vegan option in Brooklyn. Come on. Guys. So ridiculous. Come on. Get with Maybe the that's time. why they were in like the back corner of the market. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there is a hierarchy to how those were chosen. Hey, here's a question. Yeah. We're talking about this woman in history. <laughs> I feel like she would have been here for our whole conversation. We'll get into it. <gasps> okay, great. Okay, great. Okay, okay. I was, let's I was okay, trying to, remember, to I was trying to remember where we were. Oh, uh, Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. <laughs> That's so, okay, they, they were, back they, to Lena. Riots. Riots, riots at the opera. Riots in the opera house in Lisbon. Um, it's the year 1900. It's the end of the century. That's oh, what There happened. we go. That's there it is. Thank you so Ooh, much. We got there. <laughs> so um they break up. They've been together for three years. What's not mentioned most places is that they actually had a kid together. They had a son. Um oh, is that not ruining the family's reputation uh i don't know but he was alexandre not alexander everyone leaves her she's alone again according to some sources her sister ada um came to her rescue ada had been um she's three years younger than lena every bit as beautiful because that matters and needs Mm -hmm. to be said apparently she was a governess and she ended up um, becoming really well employed in Genoa, but um, she heard about like her sister's career and said like, and that she had been like kind of kicked out of Lisbon and like abandoned by her lover. And so she like ran to her aid and then said, don't give up on opera. You love it. And Lena's like, you're right. It's like that bit from 42nd street. It's like, I'll do it. Okay. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, she persevered 
Um, I don't know. I don't know the real story because that's only put in one place, but it sounds nice. Mm-hmm. So then within a year, she's singing at the San Carlo Opera House in Naples, which is pretty incredible. And so it wasn't the end of her career. I think obviously after such an end, it would be quite tricky, but thankfully that wasn't the end of her career. She continued to sing and perform. And then she spent an entire season at the Imperial Theater in Warsaw. And she sang again in Pagliacci. She sang Neda and everyone loved her. So she's like, suck it, Portugal. Um, and then she sang, I mean, she sang then truly like lived an itinerant lifestyle. In 1904, she was at the Opera de Monte Carlo, 1905 at the Sarah Bernhardt Theater in Paris. She was, um, she sang at the Met Opera House in New York mm-hmm. on the 5th of December, 1906. Um, she's singing the Opera of St. Petersburg, Theater of Ravenna, Grand Theater of Palermo, the Casino Theater in Monte Carlo, and everywhere. And so she ends up living, she buys this insane mansion um, on the Avenue de Messine in um, Paris. And mm-hmm. she really settled into the lifestyle of a celebrity in the early 20th century. She was very much a part of the tight lacing culture um, that you see women in the 19th century and early 20th century used to um, create that hourglass figure that we think of when we think of a lot of Victorian kind of fashion and early Mm -hmm. 20th century fashion. Mm -hmm. And she was very famous for how small her waist was and how beautifully hourglass it was, which is fascinating (laughs) because she's an opera singer and you're constricting your movement. But anyway, apparently it didn't. And and breathing. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about, let me, okay, sorry. Let me get into a fun fashion history fact. What's very interesting Mm -hmm. about tight lacing is if done from a young age, it ends up making your body reform its shape. Um, Mm -hmm. So the, so the organs organs go around it. Legitimately redistribute themselves. And so Mm -hmm. it could have not had a huge effect on her. And for someone who's been lauded for being so beautiful and fashionable for so long, I imagine this is something she did for a very long time. And so you know, if it's done correctly, it's just a form of body kind of alteration. It's not necessarily a form of torture. That's why, God, I hate it. Whenever actors are like, ow, the corset, I'm like, A, you aren't wearing a good one because they don't hurt. It's a different form. You have to get used to it. But it's like the moment I have to put on a real bra instead of a fake one, I'm like, ugh, underwire. You know, it's the same kind of uncomfortable nature, but I'm not dying. I'm just annoyed. Um, right, right. And yes, you have to sit a little differently, but it's actually, for me, it's like good for my back because I'm a shit back. Anyway, so, um, you know, people who say that about corsets are like, oh, it hurt women. Oh, it blah. For most of the world, most of the time period, corsets were not meant to create an, a desirable um, figure. They were meant as undergarments for women, like legitimate body foundation garments. And so, you know, it, it, it in its purest form was there just to help women have things not bounce around too much, which listen, we all get. And then, you know, later it became a way to evoke a certain figure. And, um, right. and so when done properly with a well-fitting corset, that's made for your body, it doesn't have those very dramatic and very scary, um, kind of side effects, but it does, you know, what's very interesting about the Victorian era and I could get into this. God, I love it. So they used, um, uh, this is when gas was used, uh, beginning to be used in parlor rooms. Or, this mm-hmm. is early Lena's time, but it would, she would have lived through it. Um, and so a lot of the time the gas valves weren't like perfect. And so there was always a little bit of gas like seeping at everyone's rooms. And so the <sighs> women get 
this is when women get the reputation for like fainting because they're so delicate, but it's probably because they were wearing very tight-laced clothing, which does at some point restrict breathing depending on how long you're wearing it and if you're sitting or doing certain activities or whatever. And Mm. um, also just the fact that they were like breathing in gas. Also, for the record, arsenic was a very popular way to get clothes to be dyed green. So, oh, so you're like also breathing in arsenic. You're, no, you're like legitimately getting poisoned all the time. That's like so cute. I know, but that's why we're weak and we get, we faint all the time. I'm like, yeah, that's why. Classic women. Okay. So she was, so she was part of that and she became known for her beauty regimens, right? Like, so, and mm-hmm. this was very popular at this time period. Everyone wanted to, this is the beginning of celebrity culture that we know, right? Magazines are publishing features with beauty secrets, stars. They're just like us whatever. Um, and it's the same thing with Lena. And she is as quote, the world's most beautiful woman has an immense amount of power, um, Mm. in that way. And she's literally one of the most photographed people of her time period. And for once, I'm not like at a, you know, at a loss to find pictures of this woman, legitimate pictures, not just paintings. Although there's a really beautiful portrait of her painted by Giovanni Boldini that we'll post as well that I I'm like obsessed with, but we will also, Mm -hmm. We can post so many pictures, Chloe. Oh my God. Anyway. Um, <laughs> sorry. It's like really exciting. We're going to post every day. Every picture. <laughs> um, we probably could. Anyway. Okay. I got excited. Okay. So then in 1909 through 1910, she sang with Oscar Hammerstein's company, uh, the Manhattan Opera Company, which is awesome. And so, um, you know, she just kind of ended up, oh gosh, she was just amazing. So we enter into this time period again of immense success. So last time period of good success, now immense. And um, Baryatinsky's out of her life. It's been a couple years and she meets Robert Winthrop Chandler. Robert Winthrop Chandler is part of the, I mean, his family's insane. He's related to Peter Stuyvesant, Julia Ward Howe, who wrote The Battle Hymn of the Republic, among other things, John Jacob Astor III, William Backhouse Astor Jr., and his mom is a, a Ward, and his father's a Winthrop Chandler, Anna Dudley. So he's like New York royalty, mm-hmm. to say the least. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I'm kind of obsessed with this man. I'd never heard of him before. And he's a, he's an artist. So this man is a brilliant artist and he received training at the Ecole de Beaux-Arts in, in Paris. And, mm-hmm. um, like his work has been purchased by the French government and he's an American. So he must be good. Um, apparently he was quite bizarre and eccentric and very famously had this um, show that was exhibited at the armory in 1913. And the picture we have of him in Wikipedia might be one of my favorite pictures I've ever seen of an individual in my life. And I don't say that lightly. Basically, he's this guy, like kind of cutely, like smiling at the camera with a giant pipe coming out of his mouth and <laughs> a beret on. And he's like kind of holding this like weird object, but it kind of looks like he's pointing at his beret just like, yeah, I'm wearing a beret. I'm obsessed with him now. Okay. Anyway, he's very cool. Yeah. And his art is really interesting. And I'd never seen it. And I'm obsessed. And Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney, like, 
kind of had him do stained glass windows for her in her like really beautiful like famous sculpture studio at McDougal um, Alley in Greenwich Village Mm. and Mm -hmm. like a bunch of cool things I mean he's just wild and so he was married to a woman named Julia Remington Chamberlain which again she sounds really ennobled herself she's a daughter of William Chamberlain and Mary Bradhurst Remington they were married on April 12th of uh, 1893 and um they had two kids and then they divorced in 1907 and then like a hot second later he met lena and they were like oh my god we're obsessed with each other right obsessed Mm. and they meet and get married on the 18th of june in 1910 and by the end of their honeymoon they've separated from each other (laughs) And then they get divorced in June of 1912. What's very interesting to me is uh, they had a prenup um, because he was unbelievably wealthy and Mm -hmm. he took immediate steps to revoke part of the agreement that would have given her access to a lot of that money. And she went back to New York with him and they reached a compromise um, where he paid her $75,000 $75,000 in a settlement in June of 1912. Chloe, 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 guess how much that is in today's money? Um, guess, 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 guess. A million. Guess more. More? Yeah. How much more? <laughs> it's a increased by $2,147,969.07 over 110 years. Wow. So it's it was worth roughly $2.2 million. And that was a one-time payment or an yeah, annual salary? that was her salary. settlement. That was her that was annual salary. That was her settlement to, uh, for her divorce. Okay. I don't know. I feel like she did pretty well. I don't know. Well, it does mean that you can relax a little bit for a while. But also, again, she's like basically her own wealthy Yeah, that's person. true, too. Um. So I don't know. You can like yeah. go buy a, a little something, something nice. I agree. Do you know what she did? <laughs> oh, actually, I'm so sorry. Oops. Years, Mora. So the year before, when I was talking about how she was this great pillar of beauty, she actually mm. opens her own beauty salon on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> um, huh. And she sells like really high-end Parisian fragrances and makes her own um, brand of beauty cream called the creme a la cavalieri and mm. um she ends up making her own over time she ends up making her own um like brand of perfume and i'm obsessed with it because it was inspired by the apparently it was inspired by the perfection of the mona lisa she called her perfume the mona lina because it was that perfect smart i'm obsessed with her so they end up, so she's divorced from Robert and she ends up traveling more. So she's like, okay, fine. I'm divorced. That's fine. I have this, this like salon. Great. I'm going to keep going around. So she travels. This is when she goes right back to Europe and travels quite a bit around pre-revolutionary Russia and spends a lot of time in St. Petersburg. And she performs, I mean, she does La Boheme, La Traviata, Faust, Manon. She does... Um, Rigoletto, I mean, Mephistopheles, she's doing Tosca, mm-hmm. I mean, literally, Carmen. I mean, she's doing like every big role. It's kind of insane. She sings mm. with pretty much every famous um, 
opera singer of the day. And so uh, cool. she, she sings with a, a French tenor named Lucien Muratore. Uh, he's French, but his name sounds Italian. And they get married in 1913, which is only a year after her divorce is finalized from Robert. Mm-hmm. And he was divorced from a, a separate um, soprano. And so she then, um, he's actually quite famous. Um, there's a great picture of them together. It's real cute. And, oh yeah, I was right. He was born in Marseille to Italian parents from Piedmont. Nailed it. So um, he he used to act opposite of Sarah Bernhardt. Like he was very, very famous, not just as an opera singer, but also as a great actor. And um, they appeared in a silent movie together in 1914 called Men on the Sco. And, um, you know, just he was an excellent performer. That's just kind of what he's known as. Um, hmm. And I don't really know the reason they get divorced but they do just for funsies yeah i guess so which is interesting i'm you know (laughs) i guess so i don't know i mean so a year later so 1914 lena is how old 1914 she's 50 okay she's 40 um excuse me (laughs) she's 40 and so she ends up um, retiring from the stage because her cosmetic business is doing so well. Like many celebrities today, she founds that cosmetic business and is killing it. She writes beauty columns for magazines and newspapers. She's a business manager for her husband. Um, and then in 1915, she goes back to Italy. She makes a couple motion pictures. And then she goes to America where she makes four silent films. And then after, quote, five years of retirement, she returns to sing with her husband at the Chicago Grand Opera Company. They tour the U.S. giving recitals. And then eventually they were divorced in 1927. So definitely her most successful relationship if in terms of length. Um, And so unfortunately, we don't really have any of those films, though. I'm like really upset I wanted to watch them. But um, most of them are are considered lost. Uh, which is Mm. very upsetting Mm -hmm. but so her her business is doing like exceedingly well she ends up opening um her salon in paris i'm pulling Mm -hmm. up the note forgive me um again meanwhile she's been writing things for a long time she is doing all these like she has all these endorsements and one of her more lucrative endorsements was her palm olive soap which she did beginning in like 1929 and um she opens the Lena Cavalieri Institute, uh, Institut de Beauté and Académie de Coiffeur in Paris in 1926. So cool. And mm-hmm. um, it's on what is now the Champs-Élysées. <laughs> Ooh. Um, That's a nice area. I know. And so clients would go to this place. There are a couple photos. Unfortunately, they're all black and white, obvi, because it's from like 1920-something. But she opened various branches at the um, Hotel Carton in Cannes and the Hotel Rosary in Biarritz and the Hotel de Paris in Monte Carlo. I mean, she's mm-hmm. she has like a freaking franchise of this. And um, they... I mean, she's just destroying it. And so these treatments, there's a picture of her I'm obsessed with where she's looking at the construction of her her shop and she's just like Captain Morganing it, like with the foot up, like, yeah, I did this, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And so there were um, beauty treatments for women. Uh, she ended up promoting, um, she didn't believe in, which is interesting is unlike many women of her time period, she did not believe in high frequency currents to use in facial treatments. Instead requested that they only be used for the scalp. So you would use a high frequency treatment rake electrode and it would supposedly stimulate the circulation of the scalp. And there's a great picture of her like supposedly in situ formulating cosmetics. It's so posed. I'm obsessed. And (laughs) um, she, she wrote this book called my secrets of beauty and it's dedicated to every seeker after beauty. And it was written by Mademoiselle Lina Cavalieri, the most famous living beauty. This is all so elegant. I'm obsessed. And just to read a couple of the chapters, the first one's The Care of the Complexion, where it's pretty much a nonstop list of recipes to use. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently the book itself contains over a thousand valuable recipes. Um, she... She is busy. She's so busy. So her second chapter is how to make your neck beautiful. (laughs) She believed firmly in Swedish massage as a form of beautifying. She believed that you could um, help to plump thin shoulders or have fat shoulders be reduced. Um, And shoulders are are the important part here. Hold up. Let me read more about her entire. Tell me about the history of shoulders. I don't know much, but she has an entire chapter dedicated to keeping the hands, arms, and shoulders young. I am shocked. Shoulders. Yeah. Hands and arms, to this day, I think people want them to look young. But shoulders shoulders is new. That's new Mm -hmm. for me. She has one chapter named Duties Every Woman Owes to Her Hair. Okay. Mm -hmm. She has a chapter called How to Acquire a Pleasing Voice, which, of course, an opera singer could teach me that. And what's interesting is Mm -hmm. this is very early 20th century, late Victorian. There's a chapter, these are next to each other, how to improve your figure and then safe, easy ways of reducing weight and then how to gain flesh. And this to me is an excellent example of our idea of thin all around as being the pinnacle of beauty is brand new. You were supposed to have certain bits in certain places and it was very pleasing if they were more, if they were bigger than others, kind of, you know, the way. Well, wasn't that that... the thing about wealth? Like if you could afford to eat more, that was attractive? To a degree. Yes. Fleshiness was very, in the romantic. And uh, also being, yes. Being in shape, like you wanted to be lazy, that was attractive and pale. Like so that you wanted, you 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 wanted who was in the sun working. Soft arms. So she then has a chapter called Postponing the Dread Signs of Old Age. Mm. Next to a chapter called How to Train Your Children to Be Beautiful. Jesus. (laughs) Then she has an advice to blondes and brunettes, which no longer applies to me as I have red hair now. And there's a whole chapter where she speaks of herself in third person called The Beauty's Personality and Her Clothes. Hmm. But what's lovely about this book is, yes, it's all about how beautiful she is. But what's lovely is a lot of the photos of the book are actually different plates of other famous women who are beautiful. So it's not just, you know, it's not just her. It's other people. Mm -hmm. Um, She has some fascinating uh, pieces of advice for people. 
Um, but one of the things that I love that she offered what was called the mask de beauté, which was designed to firm the throat, sharpen the jaw and reduce facial lines. Because according to her, and I quote from page 249 of her book, study mm-hmm. the drooping cheek muscles and you will notice that they are apt to sag from the cheek over the edge of the lower jawbone and try to melt in an ungraceful way into the neck. This is not to be permitted. The jawbone should keep its thin, fine edge to the end of life. The nearer it is like a razor edge in sharpness, the nearer you are to keeping the facial line of youth. And so what they would do for this mask of beauty is they would position the client who was dressed in a kimono on a chaise long, mm-hmm. and they'd be mm-hmm. given a bar electrode to complete the circuit where then an electrolytic roller that looks like a jade roller was used to firm mm-hmm. the throat. And all around the nasolabial fold and the expression lines, mm-hmm. and then to the mm-hmm. crow's feet. And then they use this entire mask that we will be posting a photo of because it's insane, which was a device made of a chin strap with two long pads of leather to support the throat and chin <sighs> along two small ropes that land from the lips to the nostrils. And it was positioned over their face after it was treated with an astringent. Why does this sound so scary? Also, for the record, most of her beauty recipes include ammonia. So take it at face value. Literally face value. That sounds dangerous. Oh my God. Wait, I just found a picture. Okay. So there's also a picture. I was hoping I would find it. Of the Cavalieri salon treatment called the steamer. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to describe this device, but I'm looking forward to reactions from individuals (laughs) who get to see this. Um, Mm -hmm. it's hilarious. It looks a bit like an atom bomb, but a woman's head is into it. Yeah, that's all I got. I don't know. I'm having trouble picturing it. I will need to, uh, go on our Instagram and see it. (laughs) Yeah, you will. (laughs) Ha ha ha. So then again, she creates the Mona Lena. (laughs) Mm-hmm. her own parfum and um all of these different uh skin creams and oil therapies and she says this was used by women in, in famous harems and greek and roman women and like all of these things you could say anything and get away with it which people can do now um mm-hmm. and she had a very comprehensive makeup range that apparently included 26 shades of face powders i hope that means it was inclusive which would be exciting. If it's 26 shades, it's I'm assuming be. you can't, you can't, you can't do 26 shades of white, please. I mean, I bet, I bet you technically could, tell me. but, but hopefully. Tell me that they didn't. Yeah. So, okay. So then, um, she ends up the business, um, in 1927, uh, she kind of gives it up after her divorce to a degree to, mm-hmm. um, Muratore, but, it was really not done well in the 1930s. And then what's interesting is it, it, in 1938, it's like fully gone. What people neglected to mention was that like the war. Mm. So checks out. Um, and so she ends up uh, marrying her fourth husband, Paolo Darvani, who was a, a pretty well-known um, poet, I think. I'm going to say poet. Okay. I'm pretty sure he's a poet. Yep. He's a writer and a poet. And they, um, she's still exceedingly well-known as a beauty specialist and expert. 
Um, Mm -hmm. and, but she retires kind of to Italy. She goes back to Italy with her final husband. Um, and they live right outside of Florence and there they live, um, in a beautiful home with some lovely servants and living, you know, a great kind of lifestyle. And, um, she was around 69, late sixties when World War II really began. And she insisted on working as a volunteer nurse during the war. Mm-hmm. And then um, Allied bombing started really hitting near Florence, near her home. Hey. And okay. so she, I guess because apparently her husband was, quote, foreign, um, they were under police surveillance. And mm. um, so on the 7th of February, 1944, there were really, the, the American bombers were very, very close. And... Um, she and her husband and servants all ran to the air raid shelter, but she and her husband uh, delayed because they wanted to collect all of her jewelry from the house. And unfortunately the air raid um, hit their home and both she and her husband were killed um, (gasps) trying to run to the air raid shelter. All of her servants who were inside the shelter survived, um, which is quite interesting. Um, Because she went back for her jewelry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And on a slightly more depressing note, um, I don't more? really know what happened with her relationship with her son, Alexandre. Um, I know that he served in the Italian army in World War I. Um, mm-hmm. She tried to go find him with the authorities, but um, she wasn't able to see him again, apparently, after the end of her relationship with Baryatinsky. It, it's debated whether or not they were actually married. It seems, mm-hmm. for my money, I, I will argue that they were because it seems like she was forbidden from seeing him, like a custody issue. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I haven't seen confirmation of that, and it is still disputed to this day. But I will wind us back to the reason I wanted to talk about her to begin with, which were all the Fornicetti um, pieces of art. And I'm just absolutely in love with the legacy that this woman ended up having. I think she's such an extraordinary, um, you know, artist. And what I love is that not only was she herself an extraordinary artist, but that she would inspire such brilliant pieces of art in and of herself, I think is, is a testament to, to her personality and who she was. And, and I hope when people see all these pictures that we have of her and that this beautiful painting of her by Giovanni Boldini, um, that they, you know, will be able to see, um, like the kind of spirit she had. And if you are interested in historical beauty regimens, which I know sounds pretty niche, but it's actually very interesting and is something no. I always loved. <laughs> no, it's interesting. <laughs> um, read her book. It's on, um, it's, it's digitized and is in public domain. It's called My Secrets of Beauty um, by Lena Cavalieri. The most, what does she call herself again? The most important beauty, <laughs> the most beautiful <laughs> Hold on, I gotta find it. It's my favorite thing in the world. Uh, uh, Confidence is key. Oh, yeah. And then there's a quote from Keats that introduces the book that says, A thing of beauty is a joy forever. Its loveliness increases. It will never pass into nothingness. And there's Mm. no more fitting tribute to the most famous living beauty, as she put herself, um, Mm -hmm. than the fact that 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 is what has remained. But also, I hope what we've gained as well is a valuable understanding of what a shrewd businesswoman she was. I think she understood she had a brand and she used it and oh, valued yeah. 
greatly from that. And um, I can't and wait multiple, for people to see. Yeah. Multiple avenues. So many so, different avenues. Literally avenues. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Obsessed. So that's Lena so Cavalieri. Cool. Like I had never heard of her. I had obviously kept... seen her face, but I thought yeah. she was just like a stock photo. I didn't know she was real. And now I know she's real and I'm so much more obsessed. And also like it really just kept on going in a different, like every time I, I thought I knew what direction it was going and it went in a different direction. hundred <laughs> percent. It went in like 500 different directions and that's yeah. obsessed. Wow. Obsessed. Wow. So cool. I know. Well, what's, I know. what's cool too is like for people who have made, I wonder if somebody like is going to listen and have that plate and not have known any of that. And now it'll have a whole different meaning. I hope so. Um, I hope so too. Also, they're beautiful, so get them. <laughs> but also, don't. They're very expensive. But do it, but don't. Um, I'm obsessed with them. I think they're incredible. And there's so many cool, different um, kind of versions of them. And I think I, I just love that. Like, if, if you see them, they're like known for being really like clever and witty and very different and kind of interesting. Um, and I think she would have been like really pleased that that's like her legacy. I mean, I hope so, but I can't see her being like displeased. They're pretty cool. I hope not. Yeah. I know. Love it. We love it. We love it. We love to see it. We do love to see it actually. Yay. <laughs> Jokes aside. Okay. <laughs> Another historically badass broad. That's right. And not a wife of Henry VIII. Dun, dun, dun. As far, wait, as far as we know, I guess. Nah, he's been dead for a little too long. Or at, has at this point, he? no, he's been dead. Let's not give him that, okay? Let's not give him um, that. I think that we should end this episode with a little bit of her singing. I think that would actually be a fun way to end it. Oh my god, yay! Thank you for listening to this episode, and tune in for the next one. The next first Wednesday of the month. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens.